0: Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. We're going to be talking this morning. What is Jesus teaching me? What is Jesus teaching me? The first of... Many, and the first and the most important of Jesus' lessons come in Matthew chapter 5. It's what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus taught so many different things, from the inside, dealing with our hearts, to the outside, dealing with the things that others can see. Things that others can see, such as talking about things on divorce and money. But then things of the heart, talking about things like prayer and worry. So today, we're going to be talking about worry, anxiety, and fear. Fear and anxiety is something that I'm no stranger to. Uh, For probably uh, 15 years of the last part of my life, I've had an extreme battle, and I'm just being real transparent with you this morning, the hardest thing for me to deal with in my life is anxiety. I'm prone to it. It's something that uh, if I'm just being honest with you guys, if I'm just trying to tell you my heart, anxiety is difficult for me to deal with. There was a time in my life where fear and anxiety defined me so much that I wasn't sure that I was ever going to be able to even leave my house. There was a time in my life where fear, anxiety, and depression was so thick in my life. I just knew, I said, God, this this can't be life. God, this can't be how you want life for me. And it defined who I was. And look, here's the the thing. Look, uh, general anxiety, all that stuff, 6.8 million people, 6.8 million adults, over 3% of the population, admittingly, have an anxiety disorder. But what's even worse than that is 10% of our teens are struggling with that. We're passing on bad habits, adults. We're we're passing on bad habits to our grandchildren, to our children, about worry, about anxiety, about not seeking first God. And and I'm telling you, yes, there are some things in life that are, um, when it comes to anxiety, we need different help, maybe from different doctors, maybe from things like that. But there is an issue of anxiety and worry in our heart. And God gives us the answers for that. And it took me 13 years to find that in my life to where I'm able to do what I'm I'm doing today. That today, yeah, I don't don't step on stage like this in front of all of you and, and just completely have no fear at all. Of course I do. One, I'm speaking, trying to speak the words of God, praying that God is speaking through me. And that's always something to take serious. But also it's a big deal when you speak in front of people. You don't want to look like a fool. But I've learned that God has used My weakness through anxiety, through fear. And it's something that I cling to today, not as my sin, but something that makes my relationship with God the best it's ever been. I'm going to tell you a little bit today how to do that. Father, be with us this morning as we turn to your word. God, let them be your words, not my words. Let them hear you, not me. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink or about your body. What you wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height, which would just been a phrase of meaning? Can you add a second or a year to your life by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers in the fields grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Statement this morning, when God is not enough for you, fear and anxiety will be more than enough for you to handle. When God is not enough for you, fear and anxiety will be more than enough for you to handle. Fear and anxiety, if anything else in our life, can eat up our life and ruin a complete person from their deepest part of their personality to the lightest part of their personality. It's fear. Fear has the power to stop you in your tracks. Fear has the power to completely keep you from doing anything productive in your life if you give that power to it so. Fear and anxiety can completely end a life. How many of us in this room that that know when fear and anxiety, which has led into depression in someone's life because of fear, and they're not here today because of that? It's an epidemic. It's something that we see, yet it's something we just don't really talk about. We we don't want to talk about it because we don't want to seem weak. We don't want to talk about it because we don't want to be defined by that. We want to seem strong. We want to have it in place. We may want to be strong for others. We may want to be strong for ourselves, for our children. We may want to just seem prideful. I don't know. But it's something we don't talk about. And it's when we bottle that up, when we refuse to let God and others in, that it becomes something that is detrimental to our heart. Your priorities will prove to be shown as the master of your life. Alright number one. Your priorities will be proved to be shown. As the master of your life. I think today. In the church more than ever. In my short 25 years. And there's a lot of people that could speak to this. That's been around a lot longer. The church's priorities. Are just backwards. It's, it's backwards. What we're doing a lot of times. How we do it. We are just like businesses in a lot of ways. Where we're looking for results. We're looking for point B and forgetting about point A. And look at our families. And I'm not just talking about uh, Sunday morning and Sunday evening or Wednesday evening about being at church. Yes, that's important. Listen, I think as a church, if we're a family, I think that if we're a church and we're to be here for each other, I think that you should be here on those days. I think that Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night are important days that we've set apart as a church for us to be here, to worship together, to learn together, to teach each other, to help just as it was in the early church in Acts. But I'm not just talking about service time. I'm talking about our priorities to church. We, as parents, I watch your students, and I'm with them a lot, and if they're missing church or they're not able to do something with church or they're not able to serve somehow, we, we don't really struggle finding excuses, right? Right? It's really easy for us to find those excuses and just say, well, we couldn't do this or it was that. But man, oh man, if they are not able to get something done with homework, let's throw the excuses out. There is no excuse, right? Because your grades matter in the kingdom of heaven, right? Of course not. Or man, if we can find a way to get to that ball tournament. Man, if we can find a way, and I watch it, and I watch the excuses, and I see... The priorities. And I listen, there's not many people that love sports more than me. I'm almost sick about it, okay? It's, like, it's, it's difficult for me when football season ends, when that Super Bowl is over, and I know i got to wait until August. Now, my Cubs are doing good, so it gives me a little relief during the summer, but still, it's difficult, okay? But, man, our priorities, they just don't matter anymore. We, we, we seem to put so many things in place, of God, (coughs) excuse me, his word in the church today. And our students suffer from that, and you know where they learn it from, okay? They don't learn it from their friends at school. They don't learn it from anywhere else. It's from you, because if you're not discipling your kids, the world is, all right? Realize that. If you're not discipling your kids, the world is discipling them. And if they're not seeing your priorities right, then the world's going to tell them their priorities, and that's not what you want. Look at the verses before this, okay, because when we look at something, when we see something that's therefore, or we see something, this is why I tell you, that means Jesus was just referring to what he had just said. What he had just said was, no one can be a slave to two masters, since either he will be, he will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other, he cannot be slaves of God and money, which money was an example here, the whole lesson was not just about money. It was about possessions. It was about gods. It was about things in our heart. And you know where fear and anxiety comes in our life is when we began to put priority on things above God. When we begin to put things in his place, when we try to put things in God's place, that's a fearful place to be. You know why you're struggling with fear and anxiety? Well, because you have so much put in stock on how much you brought in this month. You know why fear and anxiety is so much over your life because where God is supposed to be, you've put the safety of your children. You know why fear and anxiety is so difficult for you because where God is supposed to be, you've put in place things of this world. And prayer doesn't fix that. God's provision doesn't fix that. What fixes that is we sit and we worry. And we worry and we worry and we worry. I have not one time had to worry about God I've I've never had to do it I've never had to worry you know God are you God no I know who God is God tells me who God is we don't have to guess that I don't have to worry when God's in that place because God is God and God always follows through but I have to worry about the things that I put in his place this is this is failure in every other aspect of our life Everything else we do in this world, when our priorities get backwards, when our focus shifts off what it's supposed to be on, then it fails. Jake Arrieta is the greatest pitcher in baseball at this moment, I think. he I guess it's debatable, but from August 1st to now, he allowed zero runs. That's incredible, right? Well, he played the Dodgers, and he threw a no-hitter. And baseball is a very superstitious sport, if you don't know that. And I know we're not supposed to talk about superstition in church, but baseball is a superstitious sport. When a pitcher is throwing a no-hitter, what do you not do? You don't talk to him. You don't look at him. You don't hand him a cup of water. You don't shake his hand. You don't give him a towel. He sits in the corner of the dugout by himself, and you leave him alone. Because whatever he's got going, it's working. And so don't mess with it. And you look, and they look mad at the world, and they're just sitting on the dugout because their focus is that next episode of metrics against that next batter Where am I pitching? What am I doing? And I'm going to get that no-hitter. Their focus is dialed in. And a lot of times they keep that no-hitter. Why? Because their focus was on... Well, the same goes for us. You know, you want your kids to be focused on school. When they go to college, you don't want to be focused on other things like girls or parties or work or anything like that. You want them just to focus on school. Well, man, in Christianity, when following after God, our priorities... Our focus must be on him. When priorities begin to switch and our focus is not on him, when priorities begin to switch and our focus is not on the kingdom, worry and anxiety is going to fill those holes. Worry and anxiety is going to take over every bit of what you have. You don't believe me? Good thing I'm not preaching from the gospel of TJ. I'm preaching from the gospel of Christ and and that's what it says. You get your priorities backwards and I promise you it'll kickstart a life of anxiety for you. Get your priorities backwards. It'll kickstart your, your anxiety and your life and your walk with Jesus Christ. Number two, fear and anxiety will focus on the small things that God can do. Look at 25 and 26. This is why I tell you don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body. What you will wear isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or weep or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more than they? See, fear and anxiety isn't going to focus on that big thing in your life, right? Because when big things, big catastrophes happen in our life, we do crawl to God. When you get cancer, as a Christian, for the most part, there are exceptions, you quickly go to God. Teenagers, when your parents get divorced... You quickly find that connection with God. I need help. But why do we just leave the small things up for chance? And, and, and I think Satan has seen that today, look, okay, the big things, I see that they're going to go to them. But let's just get them on the small things. Let's get them on their clothes or the amount of money they make or what they will eat and all those things. Let's, let's get them on the small things. When it comes to the giant things in our life, we believe God can do it. But when it comes to the small things, we do not seek him. It's kind of like a kid. You know, I watched my dad do incredible things. My dad was my hero growing up. And I saw him build houses. I saw him do things that I thought were incredible that were just probably not. But as a kid, you just thought it was. And you think your dad's the best person in the world. But what happens when it's time to learn how to swim? And all he has to do is just do something simple like catch me. Would not be easy now okay but at that time it would have been easy all right no anyone here want to catch me right now all right any examples all right but you don't trust him with the small thing because that fear is surrounding it what is that fear it's the pool it's drowning it's all those things that you're scared of and when it comes in when fear and anxiety when your priorities are backwards and you begin to get fear in your life then all of a sudden the smallest thing like catching a little kid in a pool seems impossible And you've allowed fear and anxiety to take the small things that God promises he will do. Not give you a million dollars, not make your business great, not all those kind of things that uh, other preachers want to tell you, but the small things that God promises he will do. And we begin to doubt it. It's not the big things, it's the small things. If Satan can get you to doubt the small things that God can do, you'll soon soon stop asking for the big things. See, there's this gateway in your heart that fear creates fear can be this division between you and God and I've seen it in my own life where I would be just on fire for God and I've seen it in these students lives when we go to a conference or we go somewhere and they're on fire and God is doing great things and the Holy Spirit is alive in them and then they get back and it's the small things that it starts the fear of maybe saying something at school, the fear of not knowing what your parents may think, the fear of you fill in the blank. But those things begin to drive wedges in your relationship to God, and the fear and anxiety begins to take a place where it once was allowed by God, and now those places are making it awfully cramped in your heart, and you're beginning to see. I'm not trusting God for the small things. I'm not trusting God for the big things. We're all fearful at times. But I can't tell you how many times, and I can sit here and say how many times you guys or someone has come to talk to me, but I'll just say in my own life, where I've been scared about something, that I've been fearful, and my thought is, did I ever seek God over this matter? Did I ever give God space to work? Did I ever believe that God was actually going to come through? Because to say, well, I'm scared that, you know, for me to say, you know, I'm scared my dad's not going to catch me, but I believe he can, are two things that compete. Those are competing statements. You either believe that he can or you believe that he can't. Listen, church, this morning, you either believe that God can do what God says he can do or you don't. There's no halfway belief. There's no in-between of either. You're either Thomas or you're Peter. You either decide, I am believing and going headfirst, and I believe what God says, I believe what the Word says, I believe what He promises me, or I don't. We've gone time and time again through the Old Testament with Matt teaching in the last few months, and we looked at uh, Caleb, right? We looked at Caleb and, and the spies, and when they went in, they didn't believe what God had promised. And so what happened? Fear and anxiety kept them in the desert for another 40 years. Fear of the truth and not believing God kept them in the desert for another 40 years. And I'm telling you that fear and anxiety in your life will begin to make you believe that God can do nothing. But the belief that God can do anything is the opposite of fear and anxiety. Number three, worry will impede your work for the kingdom. Maybe the most important part about what we're going to talk about today for a second why are we here? Why are you at church today instead of, you know, looking up good fantasy stats on your football players for fantasy football? Why, why are you here today instead of resting or on the lake, hunting or whatever it is? Why are we here? I, I know you didn't wake up this morning and say, oh, alarm's off, can't wait to hear TJ, let's go. That, that's not why you're here. Why do we come to church? Why do we serve? Why do we do what we do? Why are you a deacon? Why am I a pastor? Why are you a student here? We've all been given a motto, right? Look at Dr. David Carter, who is uh, one of our leaders here, is just a phenomenal man, and he would never want me to say any of this, um, but he just is. And he was teaching us... uh, about something that I have dealt with for two weeks now that I cannot get off my mind because I really think my priorities have been backwards and this is a whole nother sermon we're not going to get into but what I'm talking about your work for the kingdom and why you're here your motto for why you're here look at 2nd Timothy verse 1 and 2 2nd Timothy chapter 2 you therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. That's a great motto for us to live by. Why are we here? We're here so that God can pour into us so that I can pour into others. If you are not pouring into others, then guess what? It's wasteful what God's pouring into you. It's what God is pouring into you, if you're not sharing it with others, it's waste. It's nothing. It's like where the world's in a famine and you have endless supply of water, yet you forgive and you you forget to give just a simple drink to your neighbor. What's my job as a student pastor? My job is to say, God, pour into me so that I may pour into them. So that they will be faithful men and women that teach the next person. And that what I poured into them, they would pour into someone else. What's my job today as a pastor here? That God pour into me so that I may pour into this congregation. What is your job as you sit here? That God would pour into you so that you would pour into others. But you can't pour into others and you can't be what God's asking you to be and be working for the kingdom if fear and anxiety has got you chained up. If fear and anxiety is taking away from what you're doing, anxiety will thwart all those efforts and freeze you in your tracks to making an impact for the kingdom. We have many different fears. Fears of I'm afraid to speak in public or I'm afraid to go witness. Look, we take trips. Sometimes we just go to New Orleans. We don't have like a huge mission trip or a huge budget. I'm like, hey, just bring some money for dinner. We'll walk to New Orleans and we'll just walk and tell people about Jesus. Jesus. Oh, I just can't do that. God, God didn't call me to, to tell people about Jesus. If someone says that, don't slap them, but talk to them. Okay? That's <laughs> the nicest way to say that. If God has called you to be a Christian, then he's called you to tell others. Okay? Well, I just don't like to talk to people. That doesn't matter. I, I understand I'm, I'm not an introvert. Okay? I can't live my life unless I'm sucking the life out of someone else. Okay, I'm an extrovert. I got to be by. I can't like when I'm in my office here uh, during the week, Monday through Thursday. I, I sit in my office for maybe like two hours, and then I got to go to Robert's office and annoy him for a little bit, and then I'll go back and I got my human contact for a little bit, and now I can work. I never did well by myself. I just don't. I can't stand to be by myself. And some people are introverted, and you live in a bubble and you like to be by yourself. That's cool. But in the kingdom of God, there's no introverted Christians. You don't get that privilege. Okay, you don't get the privilege. Well, I'm just going to pray and praying's important. But God didn't say, hey, go make disciples unless you're too scared. Hey, you know what? I've come to die for you. Okay, I gave you my whole life, bled on this cross, was ripped naked, the flesh torn off my body, beard ripped out, spit on. I did that so that you could go tell people about me unless you're too scared. I, I've looked for that verse all week. I just couldn't find it. And the truth is, listen, it's time that we begin to put fear aside, anxiety aside, and do some work for the kingdom. I don't care if you are 10 years old or if you are 100 years old in this room today. It's time. If there's breath in your lungs, we are to be working for the kingdom. We're going to talk more about that in a second because that's what it says at the end, right? Seek you first the kingdom of God. It's time for us all to do that. And I can say that, and I want you to know that in in grace and in love, if you need help with that, look, I can go and talk to any stranger any day, and that's fine. That may be hard for you. Well, look, let's talk about it. I'd love to help you with that. But here's the truth. This morning, I don't care who you are or where you're at in your life. Please, speak to someone about Jesus. Don't let fear and anxiety, because if if Satan can rule you with that, if Satan can come into your life and strike fear and anxiety into your life, then he'll completely stop you from doing anything for the kingdom. He's not going to have you doubt. He's not going to make you sick. He's not going to kill you or anything like that. You know why? Because he's already done what he needed to do, and he's kept you from doing anything for Jesus. He may let you live for 120 years for that sake. As Christians, we devalue ourselves. And we do not see in us what God sees in us. I think fear and anxiety comes in because we devalue ourselves, and we don't see in us what God sees in us. Look, uh, verse twenty-seven. Can any of you add a single cubit to his height, or any second to his life by worrying? Why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow; they don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, where is he today, thrown in the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or drink, what will we wear? For the idolaters, okay, and that's what Holman says, but really that verse in most of the translation is for the Gentiles, okay? Meaning there are Jews and there's Gentiles. We don't have Romans at this time. We don't have Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. We don't have anything about verses on adoption. At this point where we're all together in Christ, what we have is Jews and we have Gentiles. Jews who have the blessing of God, Jews who have uh, the blessing of life with Christ, and Gentiles who are pagan. That's what we have. Now, Jesus came for that to be mended, but at this point, this is what we have. So our idolaters or Gentiles... And they seek all these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need him. Do you see yourself as the blessed child of God? If you're a daughter or a son of God in here, do you see yourself as that? Is that your first thought? Because if we woke up every day, if we woke up every morning and we began to say to ourselves, God... I know who I am in you. God, I know that I am your son. God, I know that you love me. God, I know that you died for me. God, I know that you came to set me free from these shackles. Then wouldn't we have a bit of a better view of ourselves? Not prideful. We're not talking about pride. Look at me, but look at me and who I am in Christ. But the problem is we don't wake up with that, God, The first thoughts we wake up is, what am I going to do today? How am I going to get the kids ready? How am I going to get this done at work? How am I going to do this? And throughout the day, we begin to devalue ourselves and our importance of who we are in Jesus Christ. Jesus was speaking to Jews mainly at this point. And he's saying, do you not see that through all of the Old Testament, which most of them knew, that I spent my entire that God spent this entire time telling you who you were as blessed children of God. Do you not know that the kingdom that I have, the kingdom that I'm speaking of, that it's yours? That the land, that everything that I blessed to your father Abraham, that it's yours. Yet you worry like a Gentile because who who has the place to worry? The one without God. So what is Jesus saying here? Why do you worry like you don't have me? Why do you worry like I am not your father? Why do you worry when you know that I will take care of everything you need? But it's, we wake up in the morning and we think, God, what do I need? How can I get this? How can I take care of this? On and on and on, fear, anxiety, fear, anxiety. Instead of waking up saying, God, this is what I have before me, but I know that I'm yours and you will take care of it. What a better day we would have if we would do that. Every day that we would wake up and say, God, I need you. God, thank you for being with me. But usually, that's our bedtime prayer. And God's saying, that was 24 hours we could have had together. 24 hours that fear and anxiety took your life instead of a relationship with me. I remember when the fear and anxiety was the worst in my life. I was at a friend's house, and I had to leave. I was so anxious. And it was eating me up, and I was sick to my stomach. I'm telling you, when I'm telling you I had a problem with anxiety, guys, you believe me, I did. And and I I couldn't take it. And I was mad. I was like, God, why, why do I deal with this? Why is fear and anxiety taking over my life why would you allow this and I remember that I was in my car heading home and there was this song and it just kept saying call my name call my name say it loud call my name and I pulled over to the side of the road and I, I don't even remember seeing anything I just remember immediately pulling over and I just yelled Jesus Jesus And that moment, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what the rest of my life was going to look like. But I just said, God, this is yours. My priority is you. That was the pivotal moment in my life. I'm here on this stage today because of what God did in my life that night. And it was still hard. It's still hard today. There's still this big anxiety monkey that's on my back all the time trying to creep its way in. And if I'm not careful, it can find its way. But that was the moment where I said, Jesus, it's you. I just need you. God, you take my family. God, you take my future. God, you take my health. God, you take my church. God, you take everything from me. I just want you. And if you can't come to that moment in your life, fear and anxiety will continue to eat away because they're going to take all those other things in your life that are so important to you but guess what fear and anxiety cannot take if all you have is Jesus what can it do to touch him what can fear and anxiety do to touch God nothing the remedy to anxiety in your heart is seeking him first if you write down first all capital letters first God is not okay with tying for first. He's not okay with second place or third place. God and seeking him must be first. Your children's health, second. Your marriage, second to him. Your your job, second to him. Your school, second to him. Everything. I don't have any kids. So I don't know, you know. But I have a wife and I can tell you that I can't love her well if I'm not willing to say, she's not mine, God, she's yours. Take her if you need her. And I I don't want to live my life with her, not with me. I don't want my wife to die. Who's silly to say that? You parents, you don't want your kids to die. You love your kids. But if God's first, God's first. That if God's first, that you will take, as Abraham did, Isaac to the top. That if God's first, as Job did, you'll praise him even in those times because God is first. Everything else must be second. Verse 33 But seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Verse 34 is the promise, verse 33 is the truth. Did you catch that? Look, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added to you. That's the truth. And the promise is this. Don't worry because you don't have to. If you will seek me first and you will seek the kingdom and you'll put me first, you don't have to worry. That's the remedy. That's the cure for fear and worry. It's the fact that God, seeking him first, will take care of all your needs. He will not provide you with a new jet. He will not provide you with a lot of money. He will not do any of those silly things that don't matter, that will burn. That's not what we preach. And you can go and you can flip through the channels. Look, I I challenge you guys to be careful about who you listen to on TV. Just because it's a preacher doesn't mean it's a man of God. And you can preach and you can find promises that if you just sow your seed, how many times we hear that? Just sow your seed, it'll come back to you. How'd that seed seed sow and go for the disciples? Every single one of them torn between horses or sawed in half or crucified upside down. How'd that go for them? That plant didn't come out the ground too well, did it? But I can tell you where when they sowed, what they reaped was on the other side. But don't worry, because guess what? If the worst thing that happens to you here is dying, I got something better for you. And if the worst thing that happens to you, believer, is that if you die, that's the best thing that happens to you. Because you step right into eternity of promise, blessings, and fulfillment of what God said he would do. A place for worry, anxiety, depression, suicide, divorce, cancer does not exist. But we see only God because he promised it to me. And why don't you have to worry? Why can that person stand up and say, I love God, if someone says, look, are you a Christian? If you're a Christian, I'm going to shoot you in the head. Yes, I am. Why? Because you shooting me in the head does nothing. Why does cancer not scare the living daylights out of the believer at times? It's scary because you don't want to leave your family and things like that. I get that. But if you're a believer, when it's over, the promise will be fulfilled. Don't look for your blessing here. Don't look for your gift here. It's much better on the other side, I promise. All this is not an example of not planning, okay? Jesus didn't preach this sermon to say, look, I don't want you to plan. I don't want you to look about tomorrow. That'd be silly. We have chapters in Proverbs that teach us about planning. There's a difference in planning, there's a difference in worrying. And this last quote, planning becomes a sin when your plans become more important than God's. Planning becomes a sin when your plans become more important than God's. And I think in my life that there, when, you, when we grow up, we all have these different plans, right? I wanted to be a baseball player maybe at one point, football player like everybody wants to be those things and maybe that doesn't work out okay but your plans become sin when it becomes more important than god when your plans and working out those plans for your job or your children is more important than church on sunday when your plans become more important then you're going to see god remove himself from those plans he won't stay in second place to your 401. He won't stay in second place to your children. He won't stay in second place. I guarantee that in this room today, that if I'm looking at a room of, let's say, 300, that close to 100 of you have dealt with fear and anxiety on some level, maybe more. And it comes in different shapes and sizes, what we've, we fear and we worry about but I just want, to, I want you to leave with peace this morning because I live so long without peace in my life. I live so long without the peace of God in my life, and I don't want you to leave here this morning. If fear and anxiety is part of you, I want to tell you something this morning, that if you'll place him first and call on him, you don't have anything to worry about problems that you're worrying about okay that doesn't mean that they just go away and disappear God doesn't say don't worry I'm going to sweep that under the rug there's things that we still have to take care of and handle but there's only one person in this room that has anything to worry about and that's if you don't know Jesus Christ there's only one person in this room that that has an excuse to have anxiety taking over their life And what a fearful place it would be to be standing outside of a relationship with God. I pray this morning that if you are a Christian and fear and anxiety is defining who you are, just as it did me not too long ago. If fear and anxiety is taking over in your life and worry is eating at your heart. I pray this morning that you would find the peace of God, the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that we can't understand unless we just give it to him. Hey, God, before I give you all this worry, will you explain to me how you're going to take care of it? No, no, no. I don't don't care. Just please, Father, take care of it. God, I haven't slept in weeks. God, would you please take care of this? And slowly, through the same discipline that it takes to be great at anything, when you continue to give that up to God, he will take care care of your needs he will never leave you never forsake you and if you're not a christian this morning come talk to me this morning let's take care of the greatest fear you've ever had come know jesus christ father i pray over this church this morning i pray over your believers god that fear and anxiety i see as just a weight that is on so many of us, God, where we can't breathe, that it eats at us. But God, I just pray that as a church, we would say that East Haven Baptist Church is going to seek first the kingdom of God. God, we take our worries, we take our stress, we take everything, God, we give it to you. We're not going to worry any longer. We're not going to stress and be anxious any longer, Father. We're going to give it to you. Thank you, Father, that you take care of our needs. And I pray over someone in this room today that does not know you, Father, that today would be the day that they find a relationship with you. Today would be the day they find that their life is better than they could have ever imagined. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.